Welcome back to another episode of the 100k Freelancer Club podcast. Today joining me we have a very special guest which I'll introduce to you in just a second. But first we do have a very special message from our first ever sponsor. Uh, We're actually sponsored this episode by BenQ Screen Bar. This is a brand new uh, monitor screen bar which basically lights up your whole desk without taking up any space on the desk and also doesn't give you any glare on the screen whatsoever. Um, Super excited about that first ever sponsorship and I'm just going to jump in and introduce our fantastic new podcast guest uh, which is Jamie Brindle. He's actually all the way in Los Angeles so for this podcast this is the first time we've ever interviewed someone from over the pond. How are you doing today Jamie? Hanging in there man. Congrats on that sponsorship. Yeah, cheers. Thank you very much. It's uh, a bit of a weird way. It feels weird uh, coming out of my mouth saying that we've actually got a sponsor here on <laughs> bet, the uh, on the 100K uh, Freelancer Club yeah. uh, podcast. First and of many. Yeah, first of many, hopefully. And it's a shame that our uh, co-host, Niall, isn't actually here today. Um, he says it's because he's eaten, and I quote, I've eaten a dodgy egg and I feel sick and I'm throwing up. But I find it a bit of a weird coincidence that uh, England actually won the semi-finals of uh, ah. the European Cup last night. So maybe, just maybe, he's, uh, he's pulling a sickie. But, uh, You're suspect, Niall. You're suspect. Exactly, Niall. We're watching you, man. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in and um, I just want to ask you uh, a few questions today. Jump into, you know, your life, your freelance career uh, and what you've been up to um, uh, recently. But I'll, I'll first just jump in and say that I actually came um, across you on Instagram and you've mm. been making these um, really like um, for me informative and funny at the same time Instagram <laughs> reels that are just super relatable as a freelancer and yeah. these re- these these have been picking up uh, a ton of traction if you want to jump in and just explain what these reels are yeah sure I, uh, I'm relatively new to Instagram uh, I just started uh, the page maybe two or three months ago um, but these uh, these reels the, the the kind of impetus of the page was to uh try and save uh some uh, some newbies some heartache you know with uh with my 15 years of uh hard-earned experience learning everything the hard way and yeah. so these reels are kind of a reflection of you know some of those key takeaways and uh i i stumbled across uh, my wife actually showed me a video of a guy who does these like fun little comedy loops and I thought, well, there's something there to we could probably apply that to uh, to some common freelance conversations. So uh, we do reels with uh, where it's you know me talking to uh, a client and uh, also me talking to kind of a, I, I, what I imagine as a younger version of myself. And uh, they're they're like these looping, you know, kind of. Uh, you know, if you if you don't laugh, you'd cry. Situations. <laughs> yeah, it brings up a, a few pain points, especially when you're talking about the charging customers per hour and being overworked and stuff like that. We as freelancers, we've all been there, and I'm sure if you guys listening, go ahead uh, and watch those. You'll be able to relate as well. So you're a creative director specialising in B two B. Is that correct? Yeah. So I uh, I started my career many years ago, about 15 years ago, uh, in high school, I started as just a videographer and I would shoot commercials, uh, for, you know, local businesses and then go buy the ad, the ad time on television. And, uh, uh, that was a very, uh, you know, it's not the right way to do it. It's, it was a very, I was kind of, you know, trying to be everything to everybody. 
Uh, but uh, over time and over the next you know two or three years, I uh, I transitioned into the B two B world in kind of the meetings and events space, uh, and uh, became kind of the go to videographer for that industry. It was an industry that at the time was dramatically underserved for uh, my offering, which is which is what you're looking for when you're just starting out. Uh, that's was that perfect. something that you that you identified? Did you take the time to actually sit there and identify a field that was underserviced? Or was it more that you started picking up clients in that field from your marketing tactics anyway and then decided to go down that niche? So initially, uh, the short answer to the question is that it, it mostly happened by accident. But initially, I was, uh, you know, like most most of us probably can say early on, I was taking any job that I could find. Yeah. And uh, and I, I had figured out that there was probably a way to work smarter and not harder. I just didn't realize what that was. Uh, and then when I got hired by chance, filming some interviews at a conference, it was in Chicago or Orlando, you know, one of the places where these big... Uh, events happened, I realized that that, you know, the other videographers there were treating it like, you know, just camera on a tripod, get, get down, go down the shot list, very boring stuff. Mm. Uh, and, and that was, you know, and I, I took it a little more cinematically and, you know, and made a, uh, three or four exciting kind of sizzle reel pieces out of that content. Um, and the reaction that I got to those clued me in that uh, this is something that that industry maybe isn't used to seeing. Um, so when, when you stumble across a situation like that or if, you, if you've strategically isolated a situation like that, uh, you definitely want to take advantage of it because it's a great way to kind of hack that uh, word of mouth process that you know it can take a freelancer five or six years to build. Uh, if your niche is small enough, uh, if you can make a big enough splash in a small pond, uh, you know, you can build a pretty hefty uh, client base in, in two or three years. Would you say that allowed you to grow much faster than just labeling yourself as, you know, a creative director or video editor or production specialist? Focusing on that niche allowed you to grow way faster than other freelancers um, in the same position as you. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, and, uh, you know, w- what happens is if you do great work uh, for, this underserved niche, you know, uh, another company is going to see it and say, "Hey, who did that for you?" You know, and that's what happened with me. Is is another conference would see uh, one of my uh, recap videos and they say, "You know, where'd you, where'd you get that?" And they go, "Oh, this this Jamie Brindle guy. He, you know, he comes with the team or whatever." And they go, "Well, can I get his info?" You know, and then that guy reaches out, and that's what you, you're trying to get to the point where you're fielding more referrals uh, and and warm and hot leads from networking than you are. Uh, cold leads you know knocking on doors and that's that's when you really start greasing the wheels I think yeah exactly I I think most freelancers will experience that without even realizing is that when they start to do a good job even if it's in you know a niche that they haven't chosen specifically and word starts to spread about their services then they're going to get you know that phone call those emails asking them um, to work on similar projects and that comes without the effort of having to you know promote yourself marketing paying for advertisement space um, and all those costly in terms of time and money um, activities one important question that I do have is a lot of freelancers nowadays also have a registered company and are using a company name you have brindle scotch it's my it's my favorite name and my favorite drink 
That's, no. <laughs> that's the easiest name to come up with ever. I love that. I love that. I've actually, <laughs> I, I, a quick side note, I've actually got a company as well called Ivana Designs. And everybody asks me, oh, how did you come up with that name? And my middle name is Evan. But if you put an A on the end of Evan, it's just Ivana. It's just it's simple. Just, super slick. Yeah. Super luxury. <laughs> that A makes all the difference. Exactly. An A can go a long way, my friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, But pulling back around to the question, is there a reason why you founded a company and you don't just use, you know, your name as like your personal brand or a business brand? Yeah. uh, Well, I'm at a stage now in my career where we have a lot of, we have a a team. uh, So it's more than just me. Um, And also uh, we deal with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, expensive equipment and things that have a lot of liability and so that's that's the practical reason to to get uh you know to uh incorporate or llc or whatever whatever your your region does um but in terms of the the name itself um before brindle scotch uh i had had uh you know i had done a partnership with a friend many years ago and then there was a uh, another uh, company uh, that I was going under before uh, after that, and they both were uh, kind of obscure, you know, kind of generic production studio names. Uh, I did put my last name on this one because I had started cluing into the fact that uh, you know your your personal brand is a thing. You know, yeah. it's, it's like this is the the era of the personal brand is upon us, and uh, so I would say that it makes a lot of sense to include. Um, your name in some shape or form but uh no there wasn't any you know i i don't think that you have to like uh uh trick a company into thinking you're bigger than you are or anything like that you know i i, I wouldn't advocate for that so yeah. it wasn't like a, an ulterior motive necessarily to to the name yeah because i think a lot of freelancers do get confused um with that to start with i think they think that by labeling yourself as a company and sort of pretending that you have a team you can charge higher rates when yeah. at the end of the day the, the person employing you or the, the company employing you for that project they don't really care how many people are doing it they just care how fast it's done and to the yeah. quality that it's done so if they don't you care can, about how you get there they just want to make sure that you get there yeah exactly yeah a hundred percent so yeah nowadays I, I tell a lot of beginner freelancers don't 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 name yourself as a business if you're not a business and also there, there are big downsides to being a business as well like I'm sure that there are expansion problems you know you have to yeah. employ people then you've got the overhead you have to pay tax when paying people as well it's a, it's a nightmare so sometimes it is actually more profitable to stay um, as an individual and I, I think as well I mean I know you've just said now that you've had you know partnerships in the past and stuff like that did you ever find um difficulties in those because I've, I've had experiences in the past where working on say back in my more development freelancer side of things mm. when I started partnering up with people to create more of um, a firm and a company that's when the problems uh, mm-hmm. started started coming in terms of like communication with the partner who's going to take what I've done more work than you on this part I you know he's done more work there um, is that more of a problem do you say than just hiring another freelancer to help you out on one project at a time 
The answer may be different for everybody, but for me personally, from my experience, um, I I do enjoy. I mean, now my partner is my wife. That's a different situation, right? That's yeah. we're we're stuck together whether we want to be or not. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, that's actually a great working relationship. Yeah. Um, but uh, in the past, uh, when you when you engage with a partner in a business venture, um, it's like a marriage. It's like a you know. So it's. If it's something that you don't absolutely have to do, uh, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I, yeah. I just, uh, I there's to me um, more often than not, you know. And I've been approached to, be, we've been approached for to be acquired and things like that. And more often than not, that kind of stuff you can partner with somebody without making it official. You know, yeah. you can just you know put down a letter of intent or something and say, you know, we're going to work together on projects X, Y, and Z. Here's what the responsibilities are going to be, you know, stuff like that. But no need to go into business together. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't advise it um, unless there's a really clear strategic reason for it. Um, I try and find kind of a, a, a middle ground. Yeah, I, I think for me, my advice would be: is if you're going to be working with other people and you need more people, just hire them as freelancers like yourself so you've got you can you give them the scope of work and they'll give you a quote on how much per hour or how much to complete um that project and it just keeps things super simple and as well i would even hire them through even if you know them in real life i'd hire them through a platform like upwork for example where that platform acts as the middle ground is going to protect you if they don't do the work, for example. Moving on from that, it sounds like you've got a lot of experience in working with other people. Do you have much experience in hiring freelancers to work on your projects? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, I was just talking about this this morning. Some, somebody had asked me, you know, how do you hire, uh, how do you find good practitioners, you know, that are reliable and, uh, and, 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 you know, good creative, uh, partners in a job. And the trick I think is, it's just, you got to look, uh, really hard. <laughs> the first several are going to be duds. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, once you find somebody and, you know, and we go to sites like Upwork or, uh, Behance or Dribble, uh, we've hired off of Instagram before. Um, you know, I'm, you, you get, you start to get a nose for, uh, you know, who's really pro, uh, and and who's gonna you know who's thought, who's thinking about this as a business? Yeah, um, that's what you're looking for. And then once you find somebody, uh, you want to hang on to them for dear life, right? So if you found oh, somebody 100%. who's really good at what they do, uh, delivers on time, understands the business of what you're trying to do, the margin you're making, um, you know, treat that person right. I mean, we we look for opportunities to overpay. Uh, our subcontractors, our freelancers, right? So it's like I've had uh, I've had um, freelancers submit a quote to me for a job, uh, and they severely underquoted us. And I'll just say, I'll, let me see what I can do with this, you know, and go pitch four times that amount to the client. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like like just look out for them, you know, because like it's it's in your best interest to have an elite team over you know making as much of a margin as possible off of off of your team oh a hundred percent because the thing is recruitment in people in general are one of the hardest parts about business so once you find somebody that you know you can rely on it's going to make your life a hell of a lot easier and i think yep. what i find with working with a lot of businesses as well in that exact example that you've just given there is somebody gives you a quote 
and you know you know it's worth way more than that so you actually offer them way more i've heard a lot of these stories um from the businesses that we're working with and and for every person that does this actually runs an extremely successful business despite probably not making as much margin as they could and it's because they're keeping those best people they're keeping that talent interested it's the same reason why google facebook all the biggest and best companies in the world pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for people even straight out of college because they want the best people possible because in the world of business it is so hard so hard to find to find good people but speak to me about hiring through instagram because with instagram looking at somebody's personal page or somebody who's making content themselves i feel like you can really get a feel for the person before you've ever met them for example the same way i found you on instagram and invited you to come on this podcast the reason why we invited you on is because when i'm watching your reels and on your instagram page it just kind of feels like we're kind of similar in personality and if we were to meet each other in a pub for example we would actually get on so is that the same sort of you know vibe obviously you're checking out um you know their skill set um, and asking them questions and stuff like that but is that part of the process of hiring from instagram no, absolutely. I mean, that's the benefit of the social part of social media, right, is you can kind of audition personality types um, just by just by going uh, to their to their profile and, and seeing how they interact with commenters and things like that. Um, it's not you know, it's not what we lead with. Uh, I the first thing that will attract me to to a freelancer is I'll, I'll see their work and I'll think, you know, oh, we've got, uh, you know, an animation coming up next month. Uh, that's going to involve dogs. This guy does a great job animating dogs. Like that's the more yeah. practical, you know. Uh, but then you know you you poke around and you see you know how active they are and if they're uh, you know if they seem like somebody that you could work with and then just shoot them a DM and and see where it goes. Yeah, exactly. I think what you find as well in, in these fields is when people are actively posting. Um, to Instagram and they've got a fresh feed with content from their work it shows it shows to me that they're really a proactive person yep and they don't need to be constantly asked and reminded to do something they're the type of person that just goes out there and gets it done so I suppose that's a good highlight as well for those freelancers listening like to keep your portfolio showreel your Instagram up to date it just shows that you you know you're given that extra attention to detail without anybody telling you to do it without anybody forcing you to do it you're just a proactive person it shows that you're working and that you're thinking about the long game too that this is you know, this is a career for you exactly which is great i just wanted to pick over a couple of things that i've seen in your reels a couple of uh, tips that you've given um out to freelancers one of my favorite ones in which is we always always preach this on the 100k freelancer club is under promise <laughs> and over deliver i think i've seen oh, this man. about five or six of your reels but under yeah. promise and over deliver hit me yeah that's i mean that's Talk about a, a, a hack for, for growing a, a freelance career. Um, you know, I forget when I learned this one, but it was it was a long time ago. And the, the premise is look for ways to uh, delight your clients. The example that I just gave is, you know, if, if you think you can get it done, uh, you know, in a week, tell them it's going to take a week and a half. Uh, yeah. And, you know, turn it in early and you look like a hero, you know, and you, you kind of ignite that uh that word of mouth uh, growth a little bit. Um, but you can apply that to almost any step in the process. Just find ways 
to under-promise, over-deliver. And I think that a lot of freelancers will over-promise to get the job. Uh, yeah. so, so then they, they start themselves off at a disadvantage. And then also you lose the goodwill of under-promising because then you don't get to over-deliver. And uh, the, free, the, the client doesn't realize how you busted your ass to do this thing that was way beyond probably what they're paying for. So flip that on its head and, uh, and under-promise. It takes some self-discipline. But it, it definitely it, it will grow your business really quickly. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it, it as well really helps in terms of it gives you that sort of contingency time. If another yep. client comes up, you get sick or something comes up in the pipeline, you know, you've quoted them for a week and a half when you know it's only going to take you five days to do. You've just got that safety blanket there for you. The, the flip side of that is I know most freelancers still in that college university mindset if they say it's going to take a week and a yeah. half, yeah, they'll start doing that right at the last minute, whether they yeah, say it's right, going to take right a month or a week. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think on that front as well, it does take a little bit of effort on your part to actually yeah. fulfill that. But yeah, again, it is, it's probably the best piece of advice you can give a new freelancer is under promise um, and over deliver. And then another one, um, well, some more things that you talk about as well is um, types of client acquisition and methods of client acquisition. Have you got a top tip? Yeah. So, I mean, just like the top tier of uh, lead generation, right? Like uh, bird's eye view, there are three different ways to uh, find clients. There's there's uh, cold leads, warm leads, and hot leads, right? So cold leads... Uh, a lot of freelancers focus on cold leads, and that's, um, in my opinion, that's one that if you have a lot of time, is good, uh, and if you have the money to pay someone else to do it, it's good. Yeah. Uh, but uh, when you're in between those two stages of your career, cold leads is, I mean, it's a numbers game ultimately. There's some ways that uh, you can tip the numbers in your favor, but at the end of the day, it's all about uh, quantity of outreach or uh, quality of outreach. Warm leads and hot leads are what you're. That's that's your end game. That's what you're. Uh, that's what you're trying to, to get to. We're active in social media groups, Facebook groups. There's some Facebook groups that you can pay to be a member of uh, that are industry specific. LinkedIn. Uh, so we. I have a friend of mine who runs a very successful agency that's very active on subreddits, and uh, you know has built a multi-million dollar company basically off of subreddit <laughs> off of being yeah, wow. an expert in subreddits yeah. um, that's a p- good place to do it online uh, in terms of uh, physical networking you know conferences obviously I attended many many conferences in my day uh, you know and, and just networking there uh, I'm at the stage in my career where the majority of my uh, incoming business is from referrals and, and good old-fashioned networking so that's that's where you want to get to. Also, and this is kind of this is overlooked in the conversation about lead generation because it's kind of a hack. I, I, I'm, I'm going to butcher the numbers here, but uh, but somewhere around it's like 87 percent. You're like 87 percent more likely to sell a new offering to a current client than you are to sell an offering to a new client. Yeah. Right. So by that math, you should be spending the lion's share of your time looking for new offerings to sell to existing and past clients, uh, which has been a big thing for our business. Um, Cause as there's two ways you can grow, you can, you can either find new clients every month or you can find new things to sell to your clients every month. Um, and you know, a lot of the legwork of 
uh, building trust and, um, you know, uh, uh, landing a client is already done. If, if a client already knows that they like working with you, they already know that you've uh, delivered a successful uh, service to them. Uh, you know, if you just call them up two or three months down the road and say, hey, you know, we, we just started doing this too and it made me think of you. Can we jump on the phone for 15 minutes to chat about it? You know, that's a missed opportunity that a lot of people just don't think about is that they've got this, you know, treasure trove of, of potential work uh, in, their, in their past client list. Yeah, I think people as well, they, they also have a bit of fear or they're a bit too timid to actually ask. They feel that by asking clients for something like, you know, this new service they're offering, they're going to annoy them out of continuing to keep purchasing the product they're already purchasing from them. But I find yeah. 99% of the time, this is not the case, rarely ever the case. There's no harm in asking, especially in the approach that you've just mentioned there. Um, just, you know, ring up the client and saying, hey, um, you, you know, we've got this new product or service um, that we're offering now. Um, and again, going back to one of your reels um, and just saying as well, happy to work with you on the price. You know, you're the first person that we're going to offer this to. So we're happy to work with you um, on the price of that moving forward. Yeah. And just if that level of trust is already there, it's so much easier, so much easier to make the sale. And I think at, at some points as well, like especially in my freelance career, I noticed that I start to get almost on a sort of friendship level with the yep. people that I'm working with and whoever I have correspondence with at that company. So it gets to the point, if I ask them, you know, to, okay, I've got this new service that I'm offering, they would hire me to do that service just out of sheer trust of my personality or just yep. out of sheer trust of me as a freelancer based on our relationship rather than anything else. And that's really, you know, the importance of selling to that existing network. Because if you just walk up to someone on the street that has no idea who you are, hasn't seen any of your work, say, hey, I've got this new service, can you buy it? What's the chance that they're going to buy that? Is you know, nothing is yeah. going back to what we were saying before. It's just cold outreach. It's just a numbers game. And unless you've got a ton of money to splash on ads or a ton of time um, to be doing it manually, um, it's probably not the best method. So even as beginner freelancers with no actual clients and no networks within that client, just reach out to family and friends. And then yep. those guys reach out, um, you know, to people on your behalf as well. And that's just that slight bit of connection there that just gives you a bit of an advantage over, you know, a freelancer, a cold freelancer that they that company's never heard of. Yeah, I mean, it really just comes down to relationships and communication. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what the freelance business is. And I always say, if it were about skill, I'd never get hired. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are so many people that are more talented than me. Uh, it's about uh, communication. Uh, it's about, um, you know, and it's about relationship building. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think uh, it's more valuable. And just speaking as I am, a, I am a client sometimes as well. I hire people. So I think it's more valuable, the peace of mind that you're in good hands that uh, this person isn't going to dip, you know, a week before deadline or, you know, yeah. isn't going to get a better gig. And like, there's a lot of unknown factors that uh, you have when you're hiring a freelancer. Um, and just like the peace of mind of hiring somebody that, you know, is going to, uh, is going to take good care of you is uh, that's worth a lot. Yeah. On, on the front of hiring somebody that you know, who's going to look after you, it works both ways. Um, as an employer, 
if you're offering them you know a decent amount of money to stay good benefits paying them on time then the freelancer is likely to stay and vice versa if you're getting a good wage um, they're giving you good projects then you'll be very interested um, in that company as well uh, I want to say a massive massive thank you for actually joining us here on the 100k uh, freelancer club podcast if you go to instagram.com slash the Jamie Brindle head on over to there uh, and you can see all of the amazing Amazing freelancer um, reels there I promise you you'll enjoy them and you can also in that very Instagram page in the bio you'll be able to find your guide to freelancers guide to client communication where you're gonna get 16 conversational templates to help you communicate better with your clients so again head over to instagram.com slash the Jamie Brindle no it was absolutely my pleasure man I had a, I had a good time I think uh, in terms of uh, for all you guys out there getting going on your freelancing journey just uh maintain a surplus mindset just remember how many brands there are out there uh you know that are willing to pay your rate i know it, it can be discouraging at times but uh get out there keep your foot on the gas uh pay attention to developing new business as much as you're paying attention to delivering uh current business and uh, you're going to do just fine mm-hmm.